0: Hello and welcome to episode 43 of the Batflip Crazy Podcast, where you'll always find enthusiastic, data-driven fantasy baseball analysis and strategy. I am your host, Toby. Today is the Smada podcast. That's right. The three players we'll be profiling today, Chris Taylor, Cole Calhoun, and Reynaldo Lopez, were selected by Smada on Twitter at Smada, S-M-A-D-A, Underscore BB, a great follow on Twitter. He uh, gave a five star rating and a review to the podcast, which we greatly appreciate. And so he is able to select the three players covered in one podcast. Uh, thanks to everybody who has been leaving uh, five star ratings and reviews. We've gotten a number of them in the last couple weeks. And we have a couple shows coming up uh, from folks who have left those reviews, including. Uh, podcasts that will profile Herman Marquez, John Gray, Xander Bogarts, uh, uh, Marcelo Zuna, uh, and others. So definitely stay tuned for those. Uh, Thank you to Smada. Thank you to everyone who has left a rating and review. If you like what you hear on the podcast, you can definitely do the same thing uh, by going to iTunes or your preferred podcast platform. Uh, right now, the winter meetings are going on. There are a ton of rumors flying. There are some players um, who are signing, signing deals. I doubt a lot of the ru- rumored deals will happen. Uh, they just seem to be a lot of smoke right now, but who knows? I'm recording this on Wednesday night or Tuesday night, so by Wednesday or Thursday, uh, this could be a, a totally different ball game. but it's definitely interesting uh, to see some of the names being bandied about. One thing that we definitely have seen happen at the winter meetings is that the Phillies did sign Andrew McCutcheon uh, to a three-year, $50 million deal. This is a really nice move, I think, for both the Phillies and for McCutcheon and his fantasy value. Uh, Citizen Citizen Bank Park is one of the best home run parks um, in baseball. I believe it was number two last year after Yankee Stadium uh, in terms of home runs. McCutcheon has always played uh, most of his games at bad home run parks in terms of PNC Park in in Pittsburgh, and then last year uh, with the Giants at 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 AT&T. So we'll see. Maybe we'll see a little bit of a bump uh, for Andrew McCutcheon uh, going to the Phillies in terms of home runs. He's also in a much better lineup than he was uh, last year. Uh, He'll likely be batting somewhere at the top of the lineup with his stellar OBP skills. Uh, along with Cesar Hernandez, you have Reese Hoskins, the potential of adding Manny Machado or Bryce Harper to that equation. Uh, So uh, really interesting things going on in Philly. I really like that signing. Uh, I will cover McCutcheon in depth uh, later on in another profile, but definitely think it's a positive impact overall uh, on his uh, value. So in the podcast, we are going to be covering uh, Chris Taylor, Cole Calhoun uh, and Reynaldo Lopez. Uh, I think they're all pretty interesting profiles. I'm particularly interested uh, in Reynaldo Lopez's since I am a fan of his heading into next year. I also have a Reach Charles segment where I talk about something that's really uh, that I'm really enthusiastic about or that I really like that I've seen recently uh, related to fantasy baseball and that is the hashtag Bloom Boards that Ryan Bloomfield, an excellent follow on Twitter at Ryan BHQ has been putting out. So I go into a little bit of detail about those. Uh, They're just really cool, sleek uh, Excel charts that he's putting out that um, share some some really uh, cool information and skills um, from players this year. So uh, definitely uh, tune into that. Give Ryan a follow as well. You can follow me on Twitter at batflipcrazy on Instagram at batflipcrazy, Facebook at batflipcrazyfantasy, YouTube, just search for batflipcrazy, and the blog is batflipcrazy.com. Chris Taylor, well before I go forward, Chris Taylor and his hideous rolling average graph when it comes to contact. He has the ugliest contact trend on a rolling average graph that I have ever seen. I mean just really 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 bad and I'll go into depth on that in the profile that is a huge red flag but I just had to I just had to touch on it I don't want anybody to get frightened as you listen to the podcast and you have to listen to me explain what this rolling average contact chart looks like it's just I don't even have words so Chris Taylor and that hideous contact rolling average graph chart Cole Calhoun, Reynaldo Lopez, let's get this party started. First up today we have Los Angeles Dodgers shortstop slash outfielder Chris Taylor. As I usually mention when we have players with dual eligibility, dual eligibility is an increasingly nice quality to have on your roster, given the increase in usage of the 10-day DL, DL stints in general, and the fact that uh, teams are really utilizing platoons and other, um, other tactics to uh, maximize the uh, talent of their team. So just consider that when you think about uh, Chris Taylor's overall value. In the 10 to early mock drafts, he's going at 176.3. In the 15 NFBC draft so far, he's going at 212.7. So pretty deep, big drop off there. Definitely a lot lower than he went last year. I think he was going in the 80s. So a big, uh, big drop off. Let's see why. Last year, 536. Um, oh, that's at bats. 604 at bats. 604 plate appearances. Uh, 568 plate appearances uh, before that. So he did get a pretty steady stream of playing time last year, 155 games. He did he hit 254, uh, which was down from 288 uh, from 2017 and now was on a 243 expected batting average, a 283 expected batting average last year. One of the reasons for the dramatic decline, he's he's been able to post a really high up the last couple years, 345 this year, uh 361 in in 2007, but his K rate and contact rate really cratered. And when I talk about really cratered, I mean really cratered. K percentage jumped from 25% to 29.5%. So that's a four and a half percent increase, and that gets him in the territory of what you would generally see in a lot of power hitters. His contact rate dipped uh, about 6% as well, 70.7%, well below league average. And his in-zone contact dipped even more, about 8% from 86.7%, which is better than league average, to 78.9%. Now, if I've, you know, I've talked a lot about yellow flags in previous uh, profiles, I've stayed away from red flags, but this is a massive red flag. That type of dip in contact rate, you know, it could be injury-related always, and so that's one thing to consider. He did play 155 games, 604 plate appearances, and I don't remember seeing anything um about injuries for taylor but this is really big especially with a guy who doesn't have a power profile necessarily obp at 331 after 354 last year that's a 321 expected on base percentage so he's right around league average when it comes to obp his o swing remains solid around 24 25 percent um so about five percent below league average Uh, that's really nice to see or better than league average i should say um so that's really nice. So his patience is 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 uh, has been pretty consistent, which is really nice despite the the dips in contact. His swing percentage pretty steady as well. His walk percentage was up to nine point one uh, percent this year, so slightly better than league average. He scored eighty five runs for the second consecutive year with a fourteen point one percent runs per plate appearance. Now he did hit um, lead off. <coughs> A decent amount, uh, if I remember correctly, at the beginning of last year and kind of lost out on that position um, to Jock Peterson, um, at least against uh, in the strong side platoon uh, as the season progressed. So just one thing to consider. If you look at roster resource right now, he's penciled in as, I believe, the number eight hitter for the Dodgers. So that's obviously going to dramatically impact um, his value in the counting stats. Home runs, um, 17 Uh, In 2018, 21 in 2017, 15.8 and 19.1 expected home runs the last two years. So, right around where his home runs um, are with those expected home runs, though slightly um, under. Uh, He is um, this year a below league average home runs per plate appearance 2.8%, 3.6% is league average. Taking a look at some of the power metrics. Uh, 38.4% hard hit rate is, is a 6% jump from last year, so that's nice. His ground ball rate also fell um, 8% down to 33.6%, so hitting him a lot of balls in the air, which generally is good, but we'll take a look at his detailed batted ball profile to see whether we're seeing a jump in good uh, fly balls or in bad fly balls. Uh, home runs per fly ball right around league average, slightly below the expected home run per per fly ball, bringing it below uh, league average at 11.3%. Not necessarily surprising since we see his hard hit fly ball percentage at 38.6%, uh, which is right around league average. That's down, but only about 1% from the last two years um, of 39.9%. His hard hit pulled fly ball rate is very low, 16.7%, uh, uh, is 28.8% in 2017, but it's sandwiched between 16.7%, so consistently very low on that metric. And I think this is important because we don't really see anything else in Taylor's power profile um, that stands out as particularly strong. And so he's not necessarily a guy who's going to hit a ton of home runs uh, via quality of contact. He's going to rely on um, hitting balls down the line generally for his home runs. And with that being the case, you know it's a little bit disappointing to see Consistently no low numbers there. Barrels, 31 at a 5.1% barrels per plate appearance. That matches last year's 5.1% barrels per plate appearance as well. Average home run distance around three, around league average at 397 and 399 in the last two years. RBI, 63 last year, 72 the year before that. Uh, between 10, 10.4% and then 12.7% in 2017, Remember again, he is you know probably going to be batting towards the end of the lineup, um, and that can mean a number of different things. It can mean um, you know uh, not getting a ton of uh, runs because he's going to have the pitcher batting behind him. It can mean not seeing a lot of good pitches because he's got the pitcher batting behind him. So it all you know it it all depends, but it's definitely going to be a drain on his value overall. When we get into um, you know, And we see kind of uh, the mediocrity, if you will, of his overall batting uh, profile. 335 Woba, um, his expected Woba, though, at 319, so right around league average. Nine stolen bases uh, in 2018 after 17 in 2017, so a significant drop off there. Uh, he halved his stolen base per plate appearance from 3% uh, down to 1.5% and his stolen base success rate also dipped down to 60% uh, last year after 81% in 2017. Again, small sample size on those stolen base success rates, but just something to note in terms of whether the Dodgers will give him the green light or not. 226 and 214 stolen base opportunities. Um, His stolen base opportunity percentage also dipped to 6.6%. It's still above league average of 5.2%, but down from the 9.8% in 2017. So uh, a lot of those power metrics or a lot of the speed metrics are kind of on the decline as well uh he is uh 28 uh, i believe and so he's not you know he's not a spring chicken even though he hasn't been around for a while um but he is he's all, um you know he's not necessarily old enough to really be expecting a ton of slip uh in some of those speed metrics um let's take a look at the speed it is going down slightly 29.1 feet per um, second on the sprint speed two years ago then 29 last year down to 28.7 but still well above league average of 27 feet at 28.7 so he's still got the speed Um, you know he just hasn't been as successful recently whether or not that will continue uh, is unclear let's take a look at the batted ball profile that we mentioned before And so when we see that, a lot of the hitting the ball in the air more, a lot of that is not uh, a good look uh, right now for Taylor. 19.6% pop-up percentage, which is above league average of 18%, and that's up uh, 2.5% from last year. His fly ball percentage, which again is sometimes dangerous, but those balls have about a 251 average. Um, on balls in play, that's up to 11.9%. They rarely go for home runs, Um, these types of fly balls. You know, it's much more the hard drives that do, but fly balls, as X-Stats categorize them, do um, sometimes go for home runs. Those are up 3.6%. So when you think about it, all in all, you're talking about a, quick math, 6% increase in fly balls and pop-ups that aren't necessarily... The highest quality of batted balls. His hard drive percentage is uh, better than league average, thirteen point eight percent in twenty eighteen, up from thirteen point one percent last year. So consistently with a really nice hard drive rate there, especially for a guy without um, a ton of power. Um, But you know the six percent increase in other fly balls and pop ups is is a major uh, concern, Uh, and we'll see and we'll see why when we look at the expected BABIP, which is. Uh, 27 points lower than it was last year. Line drives up uh, slightly, about 1.5%. Ground balls down about 2.5%, and then dribblers down um, as well. So it's nice to see the dribblers uh, going down by a significant amount, over 5%. But again, those seem to be going towards um, you know, poorly hit fly balls and pop-ups, which uh, the pop-ups at least are worse than the dribbler percentage. And as I mentioned um, before, uh, that expected Babbitt dropped from 358 in 2017 down to 331 this year. So you can see the impact uh, of those, particularly those that increased pop-up. Now I talked about the red flag in the contact rate for Chris Taylor, and when you look at the rolling average graph for Taylor, it's kind of freaky to be honest with you. Like, you very rarely see a contact trend as horrific. As the one you see on Chris Taylor, I actually think, um, you know, a, a you know, you could, uh, I don't know if it's a joke or not, but I feel like you could use it as a really good metaphor in explaining scary things. Like that's as scary as Chris Taylor's Z contact rolling average graph. You know, that's the type of humor I'm into. I'm sure you're listening to the podcast. So it's what you're into too but it's absolutely atrocious if you want to see an atrocious trend line for contact go to chris taylor's fangraph page click on the graphs take a look at his rolling average for contact and it actually doesn't get much better i mean the 40 game rolling average is bad the 80 game rolling average is bad everything is bad and similarly his plate discipline is also headed in the wrong direction So with that Z-contact that I was talking about, it peaked last year at about 88% early in the season. And by the end of the season, it was at 70.9%. 70.9% and an overall contact rate is very, very bad. 70.9% Z-contact is like atrocious. Um, And it's not from a guy who's hitting you 30 home runs, uh, 30, 40 home runs like Joey Gallo. So that for me is a huge red flag. The plate discipline, you know, uh, bottomed out at 19.5% for O-swing, which is really good. But by the end of the year, it was above league average at 31.4%. Another bad trend line. Uh, The hard hard hit percentage actually, you know, elevated for much of the year compared to his three-year average, um, which is really nice to see. Obviously, uh, his ground ball rate very low as well. Uh, But again, we saw that. You know, the hard hit rate may have increased, but, you know, the hard hit rate at compelling launch angles, you know, fly balls, hard drives was not necessarily up. And even though the ground ball rate overall was up, there was still a dramatic increase in, or not dramatic, but an increase in pop-up percentage that kind of wiped out any benefit, um, you know, of kind of increased line drives and fly balls, uh, since they are certainly not all created equal. So uh, overall, with uh, Chris Taylor, obviously the dual position eligibility um, is a bonus for Taylor, and I think that gives him a little bit of added value. Um, but my major concern with the trends that I see with Taylor is whether or not he is going to be a fixture in the Dodgers lineup. Um, because the Dodgers are obviously a competitive team, it remains to be seen what they are going to be doing um you know, this year with, uh, with their lineup and in the off season. But I think, you know, Taylor re- represents replacing Taylor, uh, represents a, um, you know, uh, a significant upgrade. I think if they could, they should be able to get a better player player than Chris Taylor and his production, um, has just not necessarily been, uh, what you would want it, um, to be, uh, You know, hitting in the the 250s, uh, an at-league average uh, OBP, uh, the strikeout rate uh, increasing dramatically, uh, not making contact. I think there's just a lot of things. You know, like looking at the second half last year, 32.5% strikeout rate uh, for Taylor. Um, Let's see what he provides um, in terms of value uh, defensively. Just really quickly, we can just look at defensive runs saved uh, quickly here. So, um, you know, a slight, he's overall positive in terms of defense. So that's obviously beneficial to his case. But, you know, there's a lot of bad trends going on. It does not look good for him. Um, You know, he does have a little bit of that power speed. But I think you're looking at, you know, at its peak, probably 1510 this year. Um, which is not nothing to sneeze at, but when it's going to come with, you know, at or below league average, uh, batting average and, um, you know, counting stats that are just kind of meh, especially if he's batting eighth in the lineup. Uh, I just don't see, I see a lot of guys, um, who going around where he is going that just have more uh, upside, you know, uh you know, the, the shortstops going around him, Willie Adamas at 197.8, you know, definitely a player I like a lot more Marcus Semien at 198. I uh, like him a lot more. Uh, Lourdes Gurriel is interesting. You know, he doesn't necessarily have the speed, but Andrelton Simmons going at 226. He's definitely a guy that I would like more than Chris Taylor, Marwin Gonzalez, depending where he ends up, you know, 228, like him a lot more than where he was going <laughs> last year when he was going in the uh, you know i think you know sub 100 ADP, uh, kettle marte 240 guy would like more too um you know so even guys who may not play full seasons but you know uh fernando tatis jr i'd rather take a you know a stab at him at at around 300 kike martinez um 322 adp there's just so many guys that i would rather take um than i would uh taylor you know, I could see taking in him in like a draft and hold because of the dual position eligibility, but again, I expect him to lose at-bats this season um, because I just don't think he's good enough to be on a contender like the Dodgers with the trends that I see. So that is uh, a look at Chris Taylor, shortstop outfielder for the Los Angeles Dodgers. Next up, we have Cole Calhoun, outfielder for the Los Angeles angels Uh, calhoun was not actually drafted in the two early uh, mock drafts but he is going on average at 377.5 in the um 15 nfbc drafts that have taken place with a minimum pick of 294 and a max pick of 425 so uh, not entirely free but pretty close to it for calhoun uh, last year he had 552 plate appearances. That was actually his lowest figure, um, in the last three years, 654 and 672, the two previous years, 208 batting average, but that did come on a 243 expected average. And so that's really important to note is that Calhoun de- dramatically underperformed his expected average last year, uh, in 2017 he had a 244 batting average, a 260 expected average, 271 um batting average in 2016 with a 290. So he has always underperformed his expected average. So that's something to note. Um but this year it was sixteen points worse than in any of the previous three seasons or two seasons. So that's just something that I think is important to note with Calhoun is I don't think we necessarily saw who he was as a player last year. Uh, this, the batting average certainly isn't going to be good, uh, based on what we're seeing both in the expected average and in the last two years of batting average. Um, and so that's something to consider um, for him. Uh, but I don't think it 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 should have been as bad as it was. Uh, two forty one BABIP. Uh, that is forty three points below his his um, lowest BABIP in the two previous years of 284 and 309. His K percentage has increased dramatically over the last two years from 17.6% in 2016 to 20.5% last year and then all the way up to 24.1% this year. Now, that's only slightly worse than league average, but it's certainly a dramatic increase for him. His overall contact rate is... um, uh, dropped three percent from last year, but it's interesting to note that um, you know there wasn't a dip in his contact percentage when it dropped three points in the previous year. It's been pretty consistent up until last year. It dropped about three and a half points in his in zone contact from eighty six point two percent, which is slightly above league average, to eighty two point eight percent, which is about three percent below league average. So the contact dip is definitely um, you know a concern, especially. Uh, with the increase in, I mean, it it helps explain some of the strikeout rate, uh, but it's just an overall uh, negative trend that is not necessarily great to see. In terms of OBP, he went for a guy who had been above league average in OBP for the last two years, 333 and 348 to 283 last year, though that expected OBP was 315. His O swing percentage was its lowest in the last three years, 29.5, so slightly below league average after around 31% the two previous years. His swing rate was also pretty consistent, um, above league average by about 2.5%. And then his walk rate dipped about 1% to 9.6% after 10.9% in 2017. And his runs per plate appearance similar, or his runs overall dropped to 71, but the runs per plate appearance were right around league average. Um, He's been there the last couple years. And one thing that's interesting to note with Calhoun is that based on roster resource? Again, it's not, you know, the Angels who are telling you this. But uh, when I looked at roster resource when I was doing the research, um, he's actually listed as the leadoff hitter for the Angels next year. And so, you know, if he ends up being the leadoff hitter, obviously it may hurt your batting average a little bit. But he is going to be getting plate appearances. He will be getting runs batting in front of Mike Trout. Um, and then from a power perspective, he's been very consistent the last three years 18 19 and 19 home runs last year he had his lowest expected home run total at 17.2 after 20.7 and 22.5 but you can see he's right around 20 home runs for the last three years Um, this year his home run per plate appearance was actually up um, but slightly below league average of 3.6 percent at 3.4 percent that expected home run per plate appearance though was at 3.1 percent so uh, that's a decent amount below League average, where we see a major improvement is in the hard hit rate. It jumped to 44.5 percent, a 13 percent increase from 31.8 percent last year. So maybe it's just a case of uh, Calhoun selling out contact for power. You know that would that would make some sense with the increase in in you know slight increase in the home run percentage and um, overall kind of power metrics. Uh, in addition to um, you know the dramatic decrease in strikeout percentage, I would say that the power isn't enough to compensate for that huge decrease which you know is making his average you know a thorn in your side instead of just something that was kind of blah uh, ground ball percentage right around league average forty three percent home run per fly ball rate uh, up this year to fourteen point eight percent but his expected home run per fly ball rate uh, was at thirteen point four for for, the, for two consecutive years. Hard hit fly ball rate was up 46.9%, so a 13-point jump um, from last year, so that's really nice to see. His hard hit pulled fly ball rate um, was down from 39.3% last year to 21.7%, uh, 27.4% in 2016, so his lowest uh, three-year total this year, so maybe there's a possibility that that jumps up a little bit, adds to the power potential. His barrels also went up 6.2% barrels per plate appearance with 34 total barrels. That's up from 3.7%, 4.5% the last two years. So again, the power metrics are pointing up, um, you know, while the contact is pointing down. Uh, And then his average home run distance right around league average, 403 uh, this year, 397 last year, right on league average. RBI total down 57, um, but 10.3% RBI per plate appearance. That is lower than league average, and that's what you would anticipate, especially if he's going to be batting leadoff uh, this year. Um, <clears throat> stolen bases, you know, he's going to give you maybe a handful, um, but nothing nothing to write home about. Six uh, in 2018, five in 2017, uh, below league average stolen bases per plate appearance. Stolen base success rate poor in two of the last three seasons. and 75%. 75% is not total terrible, but it's kind of right at that level where it's whether it's worth it or not to attempt a stolen base. Stolen base opportunity percentage it did bump up last year, uh, 5.1%. So right around league average of 5.2% after 2.3% and 1.8% the two previous seasons. Um, So again, you know that is trending in the right direction, which is nice. His sprint speed 26. 26.4 26.4 and 26.1 uh, in his most recent season. Um, so below league average uh, sprint speed, which you know is a little bit surprising for Calhoun. I'm not sure why, but I had in my mind that maybe he was a little bit more of a quicker dude. Um, so the stolen base, you know, nothing again to write home about about five stolen bases. When we look at the overarching profile, you know you're talking about somebody who's probably going to hurt you a little bit in average. Um, if not more than a little bit in average. Uh, The runs are solid, especially if he bats first in that Angels lineup. The home runs are solid. Uh, The RBI, not so great. And then the stolen base, again, kind of meh, kind of league average. So nothing like, you know, really exciting in the profile overall. But again, he's going at, uh, you know, almost pick 400. Let's take a look at the detailed batted ball profile. Uh, Pop-ups were down for the second consecutive year. Uh, at 16.7%, 18.4, and 19.3, the two previous years, fly ball percentage pretty consistent in the 10 to 12% range the last three years. But his hard drive rate had uh, increased dramatically, 5%, which is really nice to see, up to a really solid 14.3%. Line drive percentage down, ground ball percentage down, dribbler percentage down, but all kind of within 1%. So no major changes there. You know, so overall, you know, he's hitting. Uh, fewer poor balls, so his poor hit percentage dipped by about one and a half percent from 26.2 percent to 24.6 percent, and then his uh, value hit rate, according to xStats, was about equal at 7.8 uh, percent. So the batted ball profile, again, you know, solid hard drive percentage, but otherwise, you know, kind of meh, um, you know. And I think that's a good way to maybe uh, describe uh, Calhoun overall. When we take a look at his 40-game rolling averages, you can definitely see the trend, the downward trend uh, in the end zone contact rate, with a low at the end of the season of 77.8%. Again, that's about 8% below league average, which is not good. Um, It peaked uh, around 87.2, 87.6% early on in the season. A lot of dramatic uh, peaks and valleys in his hard hit, uh, his hard hit rate. Mostly a peak though after you know kind of a uh, right around his 3 year lead, uh, three year average for hard hit rate for most of the season he really took off in the second half with a peak at 57.9% for a 40 game rolling average which is really nice even though he was starting to come down he was still at he was still above 50% over his last 40 games in terms of hard hit rate which is really nice and then we also see his ground ball rate peaking at a really high 61% uh You know, about the time that he got, I think he got demoted to the minors last year. Um, uh, And then, you know, just precipitous downfall down to a low of 29.1% for ground ball rate. And then heading again back up to about league average by the end of the season. And then another, uh, some good trends in the O-swing overall. So, you know, nothing too crazy. The Z-contact trend, the contact trend overall going down is a little bit concerning while the hard hit rate and ground ball rate are, um, you know, at least towards the second half of last year are, you know, give some reasons for optimism in addition to the improved uh, plate discipline. I think, you know, right around where he's going, I don't, you know, I think Calhoun's kind of a solid um, investment there. You know, a guy who, you know, you don't necessarily want to have in your starting lineup, but you can plug in there, especially if he's batting leadoff. Uh, with, with the Angels, so much of fantasy value is about opportunity, and batting in front of Mike Trout is certainly a very good opportunity to score a, a number of runs. When we take a look at some of the outfielders going around him, you can see the kind of value proposition that you're going to be asking yourself around that point in time. Uh, you know, the five in front of him are Adam Frazier, Jonas Cespedes, Ben Zobrist, Delano De Shields, and Jake Cave. You know, for me, again, I haven't done super deep dives into these guys. I like Adam Frazier a lot, actually. Um, if he's if he if it looks like heading into spring training, he's gonna get a lot of at bats. I just think he has a really nice profile. Did a lot of good things in the second half last year. You know, Cespedes is a guy who's gonna miss time for injury, but you know, if you're if you're able to kind of throw him on your bench for a little while, he could obviously contribute. Delino de Shields, terrible season last year, but still, you know, with a um With his speed and stolen base potential, uh, a lot of value to be had there. Jake Cave is a guy that I like a lot Uh, right now going at 376 average draft position. I would definitely take him over Calhoun right now. uh, Yairo Munez, um, Leonis Martin, Alex Verdugo, Hernan Perez, Domingo Santana, Nick Williams. You know, this seems about, you know, in the right area for Calhoun. So this would he would be a guy that I would target, you know, Towards the uh, end of drafts, obviously, you know, one, of your, one of your last reserve picks, if in spring training you get news that he's going to be batting leadoff, um, you know, if you need a temporary fill-in for a guy who starts the season on the DL or you're a little shallow in outfield or runs, you know, he's a guy you can plug in there. Definitely not somebody that I want to be uh, relying on, though, heading into next year. Next up, we have Ronaldo Lopez, starting pitcher for the Chicago White Sox. Uh, In the 10, two early mock drafts, he had an average draft position of 195.8. In the 15 NFBC drafts, he has an average draft position of 247.3. So about a uh, 50-position drop in ADP, minimum pick of 183, max of 306. Um, I mentioned this in the intro, but the reason why... uh, you know I'm covering Lopez so early on is that Smada. If you don't follow him at Smada underscore bb, he's a great follow. Um, we're in a uh, a dynasty league uh, together, and I just made a trade where I traded uh, Nick Pavetta and a second round pick in 2020 for Reynaldo Lopez, and I think Smada was either um, you know trying to trying to troll me or. Uh, was just curious why I was willing to give up um, so much for Reynaldo Lopez. So I'll break it down, and I will wear. I will warn you that the numbers you are about to hear uh, are fairly scary numbers. Uh, in fact, they are overall atrocious numbers. But towards the end of the profile on Reynaldo Lopez, I will talk to you a little bit about why I was willing to deal with um, Pavetta plus something for Lopez. When a lot of people consider Pavetta to be a much better pitcher now and potentially in the future, um, and it may just be me justifying uh, the move that I made, but um, I do think that there is something interesting uh, going on with Lopez. Uh, you know that he showed towards the the end of the end of the year. So uh, with that uh, to the side, he started 32 games last year. 188 and two thirds innings pitched. He only won seven games, but his wins per game started was 21.9 percent, so super low. Only winning about one every five of his games. Hopefully the White Sox will be a little bit better. Um, you know, if not, um, you know, <laughs> you're probably not going to get a ton of wins out of him either way. But K-minus walk rate at 9.5 percent. Uh, So that is actually well below league average at 13.8%. Don't say I didn't warn you. These numbers are going to be scary. His K percentage, 18.9%, about 3.5% below league average. 151 strikeouts in those 188.2 innings. That is good for uh, 7.2K per nine. His swinging strike rate was at 9.2%, so about 1.5% below league average. Uh, contact rates, um, O contact was actually above league average, 67%, compared to 62.8%. But right around league average for Z contact, 85.6%. And I think that's kind of a little bit of a, a reason why I'm intrigued by Lopez and I was willing to give up what I did to get him, um, is that you know, right around league average Z contact, when we get to the rolling average graphs, you'll see uh, that that kind of pr- improved as the season progressed overall contact rate slightly above league average walk percentage 9.4 percent. uh, So above league average by about 1 percent. 3.58 walks per nine. His first pitch strike rate right around league average 59.8 percent. So actually about 1 percent below. Uh, 26.2 percent O swing. So that is not good at all. Um, He's not getting folks to chase out pitches outside the zone. Again, don't say I didn't warn you, this profile is gruesome. There is a light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, don't get too depressed right now. 44.8% um, uh, zone percentage, so slightly above league average there. So he does throw the ball in the zone. His whip was 1.27, so not terrible. But he did rely on a 260 BABIP on a 293 expected Babbit. So he got lucky. So not only was he bad, but he also got lucky. So he's even worse. What was I thinking? Uh, Soft hit rate, though, above league average, 20.8% compared to 18.1%, so that's nice. Hard hit percentage, below league average, 33.8% to 35.3%. His ground ground ball rate, 33%, so very low, 10% below league average. And that's actually something that, depending on who the pitcher is, I don't mind that because it means the BABIP is going to be lower as long as the ball is staying in the yard. Now you know, he wasn't necessarily good at keeping the ball in the yard as we're about to see, but, um, you know, that's something, uh, Woba 310 expected Woba 341. So that's atrocious. That's about 26 points above league average or worse than league average. ERA was 391. So the 391 ERA and the, and the 127 whip are definitely usable. Um, at least in 15 team leagues. Um, FIP 463, XFIP 522, Sierra 492, left on base percentage 75.4. So all of the the ERA estimators pointing towards a considerable amount of luck that Lopez had. Um, His left on base uh, percentage also, you know, better than league average. Um, So just something to consider. Uh, Home runs, he gave up 25 home runs, 28 expected home runs. But the home run per five ball was pretty low, 9.5. Uh, percent so b- uh, below league average which is nice even the expected home run per fly ball rate uh below league average at ten point six percent so he's giving up a lot of fly balls but not necessarily um you know a ton of home runs but because he is giving up so many fly balls one point one nine um, home runs per nine so slightly better than league average the expected home run per nine at one point three four uh, well above league average of one point one six. Barrels 5.1%, so worse than league average. So giving up decent contact, average home run distance right around league average. So overall, you have the profile of somebody who does not seem like they are very good. Um, and, you know, there's reason to believe that maybe he isn't that good. But let's dive a little deeper as we like to do. So let's take a look at his batted ball profile, detailed batted ball profile according to XStats. Now, when we look at this, hmm. Interesting. The pop-up percentage, and again, pop-up percentage and dribbler percentage, so the two ends of the spectrum, are have the highest year-to-year correlation um, in the six batted ball categories that um, uh, that XStats has. And this year, uh, the pop-up percentage for Lopez was 23.3%. Now, I only included one year of stats because he didn't have any previous seasons with at least 50 innings pitched, but if we look at those You know, last season, for instance, he had a 30.9% pop-up percentage. 18% is league average. So in both of those years, he's been well above league average in generating, essentially, batted strikeouts, automatic outs, um, these pop-ups. So 23.3%, well above league average there. Even his fly ball rate, which again, you know, these can go for home runs, they can go for extra base hits, but they're not your really elite contact. 14.9%, so about 45 percent above league average so you know he's giving up a lot of those which is can be bad in some instances but also isn't terrible because yet they you know it's a 251 uh, batting average um, against on those fly balls uh, hard drive percentage 11.4 uh, percent um, you know so better than league average by about 0.6 percent but not not super terrible. Line drive rate uh, slightly above league average, ground ball rate below league average, dribbler percentage well below the league average by about 9% at 15.3%. So it doesn't give a ton of those, um, you know, those dribblers, but is generating uh, a lot of those automatic outs. When we look at his poor hit percentage, it's at 26.5% uh, this year. Uh, overall, that's one percent above league average of twenty five point five percent. So generating more poor contact uh, than league average, and his value hit percentage at eight point nine percent is right at league average of nine percent. So now let's get into the good stuff. I want to get into the good stuff now. The reason why I traded for Reynaldo Lopez. Now first, let's take a look at um, let's take a look at his. Uh, uh, His pitch mix. Uh, so one thing that stands out, um, you know, is is velocity. His four seam fastball, which is the pitch that he throws the most, ninety, an average of ninety five point six miles per hour. That's up uh, over one mile per hour from twenty seventeen. So um, he's got a max velocity of ninety nine point three. So he's come very close to cracking triple digits. So he's got velo on that four seam fastball, which is. Um, obviously something uh, that is uh, nice. When we look at the WRC+, a 123 WRC+, on that four-seam fastball, uh, a 39 WRC+, uh, on on his slider, uh, with a 208 Woba, so he's got a nice secondary pitch there with the slider. The changeup has a 112 WRC+, with a 318 Woba, so slightly worse than league average, but improving, and I'll get to that in a second. When we look at his curveball, it's a really bad pitch 226 WRC plus 488 Woba. There's also a cutter that shows up for 41 pitches, but really, you know, the cutter and the sinker are 52 pitches total. So we won't even, you know, go there. But one thing, you know, to note um, is, you know, in his repertoire, he has a four seam fastball that's slightly worse than league average, uh, but does have, you know, a nice little velo on it. Uh, His slider is better than, uh, you know, generates. Uh, better at least from a pitcher's perspective uh, than league average uh, in terms of how batters do against that pitch. And the 208 woba is really nice. And the changeup is about is slightly worse than the you know slightly uh, worse than league average, but you know um, is an offering. Now let's take a look at the p-values associated with those pitches. So the four-seam fastball, it's about neutral, um, 6.8 swinging strike strike rate. You know, uh, 0.6 uh, p-value uh overall positive p value overall but 0. 0. 0.0 per 100 so again like a neutral pitch the slider though 1.1 positive pitch value per 100 5.7 overall 17.3% swinging strike rate 37.1% uh, o swing so not you know a knockout pitch necessarily but you know a pretty strong offering that's doing well in both outcomes and the skills behind it the changeup is negative 0.1 uh, not positive pitch value, negative pitch value per 100, uh, negative 0.4 overall. We know the curveball is bad. The changeup generates an 11.7% swinging strike rate and a 30.7% uh, O swing. So again, you know, mediocre, generally speaking, when it comes to, um, you know, the, uh, the repertoire. So you're like, oh my God, Toby, this guy's got mediocre repertoire and he's got terrible outcomes that could have been worse. Why on earth would you ever trade for him? Now let's take a look at his 10 game rolling average, 10 game rolling average, his Z contact at the end of the year, 83.9%. So better than league average, um, and trending downward. And then, you know, never really too far above that. Let's take a look at his swinging strike rate. 10.7%, so up at league average over the last 10 games. And remember, his overall season rate was at 9.5%. So improvement in both, you know, in terms of swings and misses. Let's take a look at that O-swing. 33.1% over his last 10 games. Uh, That is better than league average. Remember, his overall O-swing was around 26.2% for the overall season. His zone percentage, it's down to 40.9% as well, but the O swing is up, so that's a nice, you know, that helps compensate for that a little bit. And then the first pitch strike rate, it's 57.9%, so not necessarily um, uh, tremendous. Now, but let's take a closer look. Let's see what his pitches did um, over that last little stretch of the season where, to be honest with you, he was elite. Because if you look at his X stats over his last, 30 games, uh, Renato Lopez had an expected weighted on base average of 246. So that is elite, uh, generating really, really poor contact. A 109 ERA, a 278 FIP, a, um, uh, you know, there's there's some other fielded independent pitching, uh, SC FIP, KW FIP, walk FIP, but I'll just stick to those because we haven't covered those. Um, In the past, and I'm not as familiar with those, but, you know, kind of general improvement um, uh, over there. Um, And then when we look at um, other things, let's take a look. The XFIP is down um, as well towards the end of the season, 422 in his last 10. Um, If you look at his last seven starts, though, when he was uh, really, really elite, um, it gets down into the threes before jumping back up to um, four. Again, XFIP, you know, that uh, normalizes a home run per fly ball rate rate to to league average. Um, His FIP, on the other hand, was 261 over those last uh, 27 um, games. Uh, When we look at um, his K minus rock rate, his K rate over those last seven games was up at 27%. So well above league average, his walk rate was down at 7.9%. So there you have a 19%. K-minus walk rate over those last seven games. Now we look at his individual pitches. Um, In September and August, in September, um, we see, well, we see a general increase in the swinging strike rate on his four-seam fastball. So uh, 7.56% in August, up to 10.59% in September. So a double-digit swinging strike rate on a four-seam fastball would be awesome. Uh, because that just really, really helps out in terms of keeping that swinging strike rate high. Now, we remember that um, the changeup had an 11.7% swinging strike rate um, overall in the course of the season. Well, in August, it was 16.3%, and it was 15 point, uh, about 15% um, in September. So the swinging strike rate on the changeup increased. The slider also, you know, around 17% in August. And around 15% um, in uh, September. So two pitches with mid-teens swinging strike rates, in addition to um, a four-seam fastball that's getting double-digit swinging strike rates. And so now you start to see a little bit of the picture of why I'm willing to take a chance on Lopez this year. He's a he's still a young dude. He's been around for you know a couple seasons. You know not full seasons, but. You know, he he's, hasn't turned 25 yet. He's got velocity on the fastball, the four-seam fastball. Towards the end of the season, he was throwing it a little bit more consistently higher up in the zone, which is where we want to see that four-seamer. His changeup was improving as a pitch, uh, both in terms of, you know, the, the skills, which I already talked about. But when you look at the second half um, alone, uh, Reynaldo Lopez, by uh, pitch per 100 had the 19th best slider, according to the linear weights on fan graphs, and the 19th best changeup. And so you start to see the possibility of a guy who's got velocity on his four-seam fastball, who maybe is learning to throw it a little bit more, and has started to develop two uh, positive, not by any stretch of imagine, elite or knockout pitches, but two solid uh, secondary offerings, uh, one that he can throw to lefties and one that he could throw uh, to righties. And so for me, I like I liked what I saw. And what I liked was that, you know, he... And again, like one thing that's important to note to kind of put as a, um, you know, uh, I guess a parenthesis overall over Reynaldo Lopez here and that, that stellar seven-game stretch. Number one, I like the fact that, you know, In those seven games, he also dominated the Yankees and the Indians, which are two uh, really solid lineups. So I like that. But you know, one thing that's important to note is that you know is that um, uh, you know limiting the quality of contact is not necessarily a skill that everybody possesses. And in the research, at least that I'm familiar with, the predictive nature of it versus descriptive, it's not as predictive year to year. And so, um, you know, it could just be that he was getting lucky. And he certainly was. I mean, his left on base percentage was elevated. His BABIP was low. But the X stats was telling us that a lot of that was actually earned, that he was generating that poor contact and that it wasn't necessarily um, just luck. And then I like those pieces. I like the four seam fastball with Velo. Um, I like the fact that he's young. And I like that he's got that two complementary pitches that he really seemed to be improving. He seemed to be improving as a pitcher. There's a couple articles that talked to him about uh, kind of the maturation process of becoming a big league pitcher, and I liked what I read there as well. And so overall, that made me really intrigued um, by Lopez because of you know the tools and the, the potential that he has in addition to some of the progress that he's making. And that's why I traded him for, or I traded Nick Pavetta in a second round pick next year in a dynasty league for him. Um, you know, quickly on Nick Pavetta, I think he's a guy who we've got two full seasons pretty much now that his fastball sucks. It gets destroyed. Uh, it gives up very, very high babbps, and that's not a luck thing. Um, that is what his fastball is until it changes, and until that changes, um, and until, um, you know, he's able to start throwing more innings, I just don't, uh, I don't trust him necessarily as a pitcher. He's got clearly got skills. He could take that next step, but the fact that his um, fastball is such a poor pitch uh, leaves me really questioning that. So that overall is why I am high on Reynaldo Lopez heading into this year. I think he's worth a risk, worth the risk, especially going so late in drafts where he's going right now. Um, if we take a look at the pictures um, going around him. Uh, You have Zach Godley, uh, starters, Alex Wood, Julius Chassin, Trevor Williams, uh, Carlos Rodon, uh, Kenta Maeda, Julio Urias, Derek Rodriguez, Joe Musgrove. So I like Joe Musgrove a lot, actually. I like Kenta Maeda, but I like Lopez better than Rodon. Uh, I'm going to like him better than Zach Godley. I'm going to like him better than Julius Chassin and Trevor Williams, probably. Again, I have to dig deep, but um, you know, I think Lopez has some really, really nice uh, upside. So anyways, this is about a 21-minute uh, profile uh, of me justifying making a trade that a lot of people were probably like, huh? Um, so, you know, and that's one thing that's fun about dynasty leagues is identify the guys you like and go after them because if they hit it big, great. If they don't, well, at least you, uh, at least you put some backing, uh, behind your, your instinct and your analysis. So that's Reynaldo, uh, Reynaldo Lopez. He's a guy that I like as a, um, uh, as a pitcher going, uh, you know, around 250 ADP, uh, in 2019 drafts. In today's reach Charles segment, uh, where I talk about something that I am, that is, gotten me enthusiastic about baseball and the upcoming fantasy season i wanted to touch on hashtag bloom boards that's b-l-l or b-l-o-o-m or s uh that are being put out by ryan bloomfield who is a fantastic uh, fantasy baseball analyst at baseball hq he is a uh you can follow him on twitter at ryan r-y-a-n B-H-Q, Ryan has been putting out these bloom boards. Uh, He's created a hashtag for him and they're essentially uh, really nice, sleek Excel um, uh, charts uh, or or sheets um, that focus on some key aspects or um, some interesting uh, numbers. So for instance, he's put out some that take a look at pitchers that had the largest jumps in swinging strike rate. Um, from year to year uh he put together boards that had the largest uh o swing jumps for starting pitchers uh year to year uh he took it uh took a look at um some of the pi- uh, players who had the highest fly ball percentage gains along with their average exit velocity um he He's just putting together some really interesting boards that you know not only are are really informative in and of themselves but have started to generate or at least you know um, in my perspective, generate a lot of really great conversation about um, which, uh, what data is important or um, we should be looking at and how we should be applying it. Uh, there was a really discu- uh, interesting discussion that went on. He put up uh, a board that was barrels per batted ball event and it compared to home run per fly ball rate. So who has the highest home run per fly ball rate along with a pretty low barrels per batted ball event? So these would theoretically be guys who, uh, you know, you might expect them to have a reduction in home runs or home run per fly ball rate because, you know, they weren't making quality contact that often. And it, it started a really great, what I thought was really intriguing conversation uh, between myself, Ryan, um, Doug Dennis, um, uh, Alex Chamberlain, uh, and a couple other folks Essentially, thinking about okay, what, what are some of the other filters that we could apply to thinking about home run per fly ball rate and home runs overall to do the analysis? Now, folks who listen to the podcast know that you know some of the things that I look at are you know hard hit fly ball rate, hard hit pulled fly ball rate, uh, barrels per plate appearance, average home run distance, expected home runs, uh, home runs per fly ball, expected home runs per fly ball you know, home runs per nine, expected home runs per nine to try to get as comprehensive of a look as possible in terms of what, you know, uh, how somebody's hitting home runs and why they're hitting home runs. And it was just really interesting because, you know, I use hard hit pulled fly ball rate a lot. And so I mentioned that and Alex did some really quick and great research that kind of looked at the R squared or the year to year correlation for hard hit pulled fly balls. And, you know, what it, what it showed is that there wasn't, you know, really a strong year-to-year correlation between hard-hit pulled uh, fly ball percentage, particularly hard-hit pulled fly ball percentage and ho- uh, home runs per fly ball. So that's really important to note because you have a guy like Jose Ramirez, um, who you know pulled about 50% of his hard-hit pulled uh, his hard-hit fly balls this year, and that's why he had so many home runs. You know, he's normally around league average at 35%, and so maybe that means you know, that's not necessarily something that we can count on sticking next year, that 50%. And so maybe he'll regress closer to, you know, league average where he's been in the two previous years. So maybe that signifies that we're going to see a little bit of a dip in Jose Ramirez's home runs, which would not surprise me at all. But it was just really cool because, you know, the conversation started and we're kind of sharing, okay, this is my approach, this is my approach. And then we got some actual research that Alex you know, kind of inserted into the, into the conversation about like, okay, this is actually what you can rely on year to year to be predictive. And so that was really cool. Uh, That conversation was cool. The bloom boards is definitely a hashtag that I would suggest you check out. Follow Ryan uh, on Twitter. He's putting these out, not daily, but um, he's putting them out and they're just really interesting. They're really good kind of cheat sheets, if you will, um, you know, to look at. So like biggest drops in swinging strike rate, Corey Kluber. Clayton Kershaw, Dallas Keuchel, John Lester, Dan Straley, Tyler Chatwood, Zach Godley, guys that struggled last year, right? And then similarly, um, you know, if you took a look at, um, you know, uh, the swinging strike gainers, Garrett Cole, Patrick Corbin, Blake Snell, Trevor Bauer, Justin Verlander, a lot of the elite pitchers from last year. And so getting these this type of data that normally, you know, you're looking player by player or you're looking at league leaders or however you're doing it, Getting it in these really clean, really sleek um, Excel charts is super helpful. So uh, I'm super jazzed about uh, these bloom boards that Ryan is putting out there. Um, you know, it's really cool to get these just really helpful cheat sheets, like I mentioned, uh, that highlight really, really interesting uh, information in and of, the, of themselves that can start really uh, cool conversations about fantasy baseball. So hat tip to Ryan. Um, keep up the great work. Definitely check him out. Check out those bloom boards. And hope you enjoy them too. That is going to wrap us up for episode 43 of the Batflip Crazy podcast. We covered Chris Taylor and his hideous contact rate rolling average graph. We covered Cole Calhoun, his increasing power, but coming at the expense of his contact rate and his batting average. And we covered Ronaldo Lopez. Uh, Very ugly profile, if I'm being honest, uh, for the season, but some uh, really bright uh, silver linings in those clouds um, towards the end of the season that have me really excited for the possibilities, not only in in just 2019, but also uh, beyond that for a young pitcher who has you know, the tools and I think is starting uh, to learn a little bit more uh, about what it takes to be a pitcher. If you like what you're hearing on the podcast, please do give us a five-star rating and a review. Uh, Then you'll get to choose some folks uh, to be covered on the podcast. Really do uh, appreciate all of you listening. It's been really awesome uh, to see, you know, the growth of uh, of the podcast and the fact that people are getting enjoyment out of this content. I love doing the podcast. I love cutting the players. I love going in depth, you know, even if it means a 21 minute profile uh, on Reynaldo Lopez. And if you're listening to this, hopefully uh, you do too. So thank you so much. I really do appreciate it. I love, you know, hearing from folks via Twitter, engaging if you disagree, if you agree. It's just really awesome to have this type of a community around something that um, I'm passionate about and you're p- passionate about. So that's just uh, that's just really cool to have that, I think. So um, best of luck with all of your continued baseball research as uh, we approach the season. It is getting closer and closer as the year turns and fantasy football ends. Um, Take care of yourselves and definitely be kind to one another. Hello and welcome to episode 43 of the Batflip Crazy podcast, where you'll always find enthusiastic, data-driven fantasy baseball analysis and strategy. I am your host, Toby. In today's uh, podcast, today is uh, Smada's podcast uh, on Twitter. It's at Smada, S-M-A-D-A underscore B. He's a great follow on Twitter. Uh, Smada... Uh, Gave a five-star rating and a nice review to the podcast, so he was able to select the three players that we're covering today. He chose Chris Taylor, shortstop outfielder for the Dodgers, Cole Calhoun, uh, outfielder for uh, the Los Angeles Angels, and then Reynaldo Lopez, starting pitcher for uh, the Chicago White Sox. All three profiles, I think, are are really interesting. Uh, I'm a particular um of interest to me is the Reynaldo lopez one since he's a he's a starting pitcher that i like uh, that's going late in drafts uh heading into um uh into the season um so thank you smata for the rating and the review i hope uh these these um uh, profiles uh i hope i've done justice to the three players and that it's helpful um to you and to other folks thanks to a ton of people um who have been giving a five-star rating Uh, to the podcast and also leaving a review. We have a couple podcasts upcoming where we're going to be covering some exciting players. Uh, Herman Marquez, uh, John Gray, Marcelo Zuna, Xander Bogarts, uh, among others. So thank you to folks who have uh, put in uh, ratings and review there. I really appreciate it. If you have done a five-star rating or a review um, and and you and I... There's no way to tell who you are. Please do tweet at me. Let me know that you have done that um, so that I can make sure that you get a chance uh, to select those players. Um, if you do just generally like the podcast, and um, you know, I hope you do, uh, please do give, go to iTunes or your preferred podcast platform, give it a five-star rating, write a nice review. If you leave a five-star rating, you get to read, uh, choose one player to be covered in an upcoming podcast. If you leave a five-star rating and write a review, you get to choose three. Uh, hopefully this is going to be sustainable, um, but if it isn't, that means that a lot of people are, uh, are digging the podcast and that's the most important uh, thing. You can follow me on Twitter at BatFlipCrazy, Instagram at BatFlipCrazy, Facebook at BatFlipCrazy Fantasy, YouTube, just search for BatFlipCrazy. The blog is BatFlipCrazy.com. We are going to cover uh, Chris Taylor Cole Calhoun, Reynaldo Lopez, some interesting profiles, some good trends in some of them, some not so good trends uh, in some of them. In fact, Chris uh, Chris Taylor's contact trends is one of the ugliest things I have ever seen in my entire life. That's right. That's how bad of a rolling average graph Chris Taylor has for his contact rate. It is disgusting. So... Listen to the podcast, I'll cover in detail how horrendous it is, uh, in addition to some of the things that I like about Reynaldo Lopez, um, some of the kind of ups and downs in the profile of Cole Calhoun, uh, and then I also um, give uh, a shout out to Ryan uh, Bloomquist um, of uh, Baseball HQ on Twitter, who is putting out some really good content, uh, these bloom boards. Uh, that he's been putting out uh, highlighting some key statistics for players so uh, definitely listen Uh, let's do this chris taylor cole calhoun renato lopez let's get this party started